genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King one very dramatic no at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And today we're talking about Minute 211. What the hell? What are we still doing here? We got about 30 left. We got about 30 left. Um, 211, which starts with, it's my 211th birthday. <laughs> That's a long time. It is a long time. It starts with Sam saying, what are you waiting for? Um, and it ends with Sam saying, no. No. Just kind of echoing into the. Weirdly, uh, that's not the only thing in this minute that makes me think of Star Wars. Is it not? It's oh, not. the swell of the music. Yeah the, yeah. the music in this minute is about the closest to. To Duel of the Fates as anything in these I movies gets? I disagree. We've had a big choral thing like this before in these. Just because a muse just because a piece uses like a really intense choir doesn't mean it's automatically Duel of the Fates. No, no, no. But it's like it feels the it feels the closest to to a John Williams piece as anything in this trilogy. To I me. also disagree. <laughs> I am disagreeing respectfully. Respectfully. <laughs> I abstain. Respectfully. <laughs> So, Which I quote probably more often than some people would think. What? Um, seventeen seventy six. Oh my god! I, I abstain respectfully. I haven't thought about that. Well, that's a lie. I guess I think about that every time I listen to Hamilton. Which you know, to be fair, recently is not often. But right. like, yeah, I haven't watched that movie since I was like in eighth grade. I can't listen to the soundtrack on its own. Down, I need John. to watch the thing with Mr. Yeah, Feeney in yeah. It. No, why would you listen to the soundtrack? <laughs> The songs suck. Yeah, they're not great. But the movie is charming. So. Yes. <laughs> um, Tangent achieved. Yes. Oh, good. It's good to be back. Uh, <laughs> spoilers, we haven't done this in a while. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about this minute, shall we? Um, there's a lot going on here. It's like the climax of the movie. Yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot of individual things to kind of parse out it's a lot of just these two or three kind of shots of characters if you count the ring as a character yeah um i sam is so tired yeah he's so tired he's it's not like done levels of tired because i feel like sam would never be um like done is like a very specific uh, type of tired. Right. And I like, feel, what are you doing? Let's get out of here. I feel Come like on. Sam doesn't have the capacity to be like that towards Frodo um, because it's Frodo. Like, yeah. he, he literally just carried him up a mountain, a volcano. Like, so, but he's he's tired. And he's yeah, just this like, is like 15 are... minutes before last call tired. Like, what are we still doing here? Let's, yeah, let's yeah. go home. <laughs> but no, not even then because, like, 15 minutes before last call tired is like i'm done with you people can we please get out of here this is sam being like like he genuinely does not understand what is going on right now like why frodo doesn't just 
toss it into the, the, the fire. What are you doing? Just let it go. Yeah, just let it go. Like, it's... I, um... And, and like, Sam carried it. Mm-hmm. So he, like, has kind of, like, an inkling. But, like, obviously he wasn't the bearer of the ring for as long as Frodo has been. Yeah. Um, and obviously... The ring hasn't been working on Sam as hard as it has been on Frodo. So, like, even though Sam has caught a glimpse of what Frodo's dealing with, I, like, it speaks to, uh, I don't know, Sam. That, like, he just genuinely still doesn't understand. Like, come on, Frodo, you can do this. You just have to open your hand. Yeah. Just open your hand. You can do this. Let's... Let's just get this done. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Um, I I love that. I don't know. Like, this moment is so, um, like, it should not work. Um, because to, to center the climax of your, like, fantasy epic movie around these two, like, yelling across each other, like, yelling across a bridge at each other, and one of them just kind of standing dramatically looking at a dangling piece of metal yeah it should not work but like because of the emotional investment and like the i think um because of how much time we have spent with the ring as a threat too yeah that's what makes it work yeah Um, if you if you don't buy into the ring as its own external threat this climax doesn't work yeah yeah so I think it speaks to the um, the movie's ability to bring the ring in as that third character, like the yeah. conflict. Um, and yeah, because like completely out of context, this this doesn't work. Right. It's very it, there's no context fully from within the scene to really tell you what the conflict here is. Right. It's all internal. Yeah. Um. And I think that this scene does a good job of um illustrating that in a a a way that is that plays well on screen yeah i think what's interesting about this scene uh in regards to that is the way the sound mixing is done Mm. because sam and frodo sound kind of drowned out and far away because there's all this noise around them and smoke and they're in this mountain yeah but the whispering of the ring sounds clearer than their dialogue to me. Yeah, I'm Which also... I think is an interesting bit of sound mixing. Well, yeah, because, like, the ring is literally drowning out Sam's voice. Yeah. It's it's pressing on Frodo so hard. Like, it's now or never. Like, this is its, um... This is its, like, Mufasa, you know? Right. <laughs> Long live the king. Right, but, like... Well, that, that comes at the end of the week. Right, that doesn't happen. Um... <laughs> Long God, live the ring. This uh, <laughs> this week is insane. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, no, it's all internalized, and I like that um, they do a good job. I think they do a good job of translating that from the page to the screen. Yeah. Even in this incredibly hot place, Frodo's eyes look so wet. He's crying. Yeah. He can't deal. Yeah. Um, the exertion is just, like, too much. I also am into this... Uh, um, the the piece of score that we hear when when the ring is whispering to Frodo before the big um, mm. swell of the chorus, yeah. um, it sounds it sounds really creepy. Like there, it it sounds like a children's choir, right? Yeah, this is a this is a really 
kind of menacing bit of score yeah. before it leads into and it leads really naturally into the um the really despairing part of the score uh, in the next like 40 seconds or so. Yeah. I think this piece of music is um very interesting because it like I think cuz if it is a children's choir which it sounds like it is to me, like mm-hmm. it sounds like um like children's voices um or it's like if it's not children, it's um, like in a higher, yeah, uh, octave. Yeah, register. Register. Um, so music terms. I was trying to. I couldn't remember the the thing. Um, so it's it it comes off as more innocent, I think, than when he finally is just like the ring is mine, and then like the the big. I wanna. I... I want to to hear a bunch of the different takes of Elijah Wood saying that line because I feel like there had to have been just dozens that were too too over the top for the moment. Mm. Just like you as an actor, you see the phrase the ring is mine in the script. Mm-hmm. And you just like, well, I have to say it convincingly with gravitas to the situation, but because this is the climax, I also can't be like over the top, yeah. With that line, yeah. Like, do you go like full on Saturday morning cartoon villain? Like, the ring is mine. Which is what the 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 line itself feels like it should be, right? Um, but, but you can't do that. No, here. you can't because because this climactic part of your movie is at its core so intimate. It's two people and a piece of jewelry. Yeah, <laughs> you know. It's about to be three people in a piece of jewelry. Right. Three's a crowd. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. No, anyway, going back to... Sorry. No, that was a good point. But, like, my 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 point with the, with the music is I like that it, it's more menacing to me because of the dichotomy of, like, the ring theme with that children's choir. Yeah. Because it is so creepy. And then he decides, like, it's mine. Yeah. No, the the ring is mine. Just it's I like the the kind of understated way it's done. Mm. I I really like it because it he's like making eye contact with Sam, but the way that the line is delivered is almost like he's not even really talking to him. Yeah, he's just proclaiming it. He's but just, it's like it's um, But he's just making eye contact with him when he does it. Yeah. But he's not saying it for Sam's benefit. No, he's saying it for his. Yeah. Which is really and cool. The rings. Yeah. Which is really cool, I think. It's a it's an interesting interesting piece of how this is put together. And then Frodo disappears. He puts the ring on. Um, okay. That creepy, creepy face. I would be remiss to um for a moment be a twelve year old um preteen on the internet. Um this I have seen this this the gif of this moment out of context so many times and it cracks me up every time. <laughs> <laughs> Because of Frodo disappearing? No, no. Where he's he has the ring, and then he's like slowly inching his finger towards the ring, and like the amount of times I have seen that in like an inappropriate context. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Has um, uh. it hasn't ruined the moment for me, but like it kind of. Has. Like Elijah, like Elijah's wooden knuckle in the shot is like weird and knobby. Yeah, it's like really I, that's bent. Just his fingers, like it's like really bent. I don't know if it's if it's like a the lighting or something, but his finger just looks like really crooked and knobby. Maybe he broke it. I don't know. Maybe, 
Maybe it's a maybe it's a prosthetic in waiting to like highlight his finger before no, we get the prosthetic I, later. No, that is like... no, that's probably not true. But it's just it's just an interesting thing about it. Is I think his, his knuckle is like really swollen. Yeah. Which makes sense maybe that Andy they've been Circus, scrabbling like, all around. Maybe Andy Circus like actually bit his finger. Right. Actually, no, but he nah. did bite something. Oh my god! But yeah, no. This creepy, creepy face. Apparently, that's they... the screenshot for the minute, right? Yeah, no, hundred percent. But originally, I guess that they had done like an evil Frodo prosthetic face mask. What? Like that they the just evil Bilbo that one? they just didn't use. Oh my god! For this moment. That and would be too, too No, too, too much. much. No, we don't need that at all. Uh, just the way that Elijah Wood is lit in this scene and everything else around it, his face is, does plenty of work for yes, it. Yes, yeah. It is this creepy, this creepy I smile. Love, okay, the ability of him to go from like, because like Frodo looks like cherubic, right? It's, yeah. It's like the big eyes, I think. He's got like anime eyes. Um, But he looks... He looks like a little, like a Renaissance angel, um, and, yeah. and the ability of, of uh, like his ability to like take his face and like make it so that he he does I not mean, look like that at the, all in this scene is crazy. The line between cute and creepy is very fine. Yeah, that's true, but it's not like a it's not like a like twins in the shining hallway creepy. Yeah. You know? Like it's it's like a different I don't know, it's pretty close. I don't I don't It's just off putting. Yeah. That's cause his face he has like the he has like a little angel face. Right? This this it's innocent curly, little Frodo bag. The curly hair yeah. and his big watery anime eyes. They're very blue and expressive. Yeah. Uh, but and then just this very creepy head tilted. Yeah, it's got a very uh, it's got a very Kubrick yeah, quality say, to it. Yeah, it's got like the, the, it's the Kubrick stare. Kubrick stare thing, right? Jack Nicholson it's or not Malcolm McDowell because he's not looking to the camera directly. No, but it's close. That, it, it must be a, an homage, right? I would think so. It has I can't to imagine be. that Peter Jackson isn't a big fan of Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, I mean, like that's a whole other can right of worms. But yeah, no, I've never thought about that before. But like having it paused on his face, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's definitely what that is, right? Yeah. It's a Kubrick stare. Just, your derangement is highlighted by staring directly into the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah, it's very close to directly in the camera. It's only slightly off center. I um, I'm glad that it's not directly in the camera. I think whenever I imagine this moment, I think that it is. It's not though. Like, but it's, it's definitely not. not. Like, it's close enough that just, like, tracking this moment in my brain, I'm just like, and then Frodo stares at me. All right. No, he's staring at Sam. But he's staring at Sam. Yeah. Because I think when, when you have characters stare directly at the camera, it feels like they're breaking the fourth wall. Yes. So it's just very unsettling. Yes. Yes. Which you can use um, in an interesting way, but, like, I don't feel like that and if you do anything, place yeah. here. And when you do anything more than just stare, like, if you make any kind of specific expression... Like into a camera, it feels even more directly like you're trying to communicate something to the audience. Right. Which is why that wink from Mark Hamill at the end of Last Jedi always gets me, because he looks directly in the camera when he does it. I haven't seen that in a while. Um, The thing I think about the most is, like, Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Oh, after the credits, or, like, when he stops time to narrate things. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, that's... That's... But that's very clearly like what's going on there. Right, it's not like right. a it's not like a subtle thing that's just like, hey, pay attention. Right. Yeah, no, I um I'm glad that he's not looking directly in the camera because I feel like a fourth wall break in any of these um doesn't feel right because like 
the whole point is like we're going into a fantastical yeah. escapist world. I think there are a couple of places where there is a very uh, subtle or incidental one, but only as a as like a structural a structural device to highlight something. I don't I don't know that there is. I feel like we would have talked about it. I mean, was it the? I talked about it last week. The the four Frodo like feels almost because of how closely Aragorn is kind of looking center frame in the camera feels kind of like incidentally as a I want to underline this as a part of this this character's but I don't, self. I don't know that he's di- staring directly into the camera though. But he's like he's like center frame and he's he's looking backwards. Right, but he's not like into yeah. the like I'm looking the lens. Yeah. I don't think you I'm have to be looking soul. directly at the lens for it to feel like an incidental fourth wall break. Um, I, again, I disagree. Mm. Because, like, what, like, using the fourth wall, breaking the fourth wall is a device, like, used to communicate directly to your audience. Like, why would you do that in that moment when we're already, like, we're already ride or die with Aragorn at this point in the movie? I think that there, so I think that there's, there's cases in narratives where from a like meta perspective, the structure of something or the framing of something is itself a kind of incidental fourth wall break as a way to highlight something in the narrative, because it's something that otherwise um, without the the without the the camera examining this there. Sometimes there's just like, well, there's no reason for this to be framed this way, except that there's a camera which makes it an incidental fourth wall break. But we are the fourth wall. Right. But like you can you can lean into if you if you're really picking apart things like on a on a meta level about framing and what this scene is saying about character, there's incidental fourth wall breaks constantly in visual media. I don't know that I think you are I think you're latching onto something and then calling it like a fourth wall break. Uh maybe. I to me a fourth wall break is anything that's done directly to communicate with the audience like through like in a way that isn't necessarily completely diegetic or natural to what you're seeing. That's um, a fourth wall break. See, there's a difference though between like storytelling for a, a visual medium and like directly addressing your audience. Because you have to communicate, you have to show don't tell. You have to communicate what's going on with your audience. Like there's I think people sit down to watch a movie or a play or whatever, with, like, a certain expectation of, like, I'm going to, um, oh my god, what's the term? Um, the disbelief. The thing, the... A suspension of disbelief. A suspension of disbelief. I'm going to suspend. I couldn't remember. I'm going to suspend my disbelief. Yes. I couldn't remember the, the word suspend. Um, I'm going to suspend my disbelief for the next four hours. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, how long is this movie? It's four hours. Um, I'm going to suspend my disbelief for four hours. Because, um, like, we talked about, like, with Sheila. Yeah. The, like, it should be dark. Like, dark, dark. Like, despairingly right. dark. But it's not because, A, it's a movie and we have to see what's going on. Right. So, like, there's... I don't know, I don't consider that to be the kind of thing I'm talking about necessarily. Okay. Um, The, like, lighting is its own, is its own thing that's just necessary. Yeah. Um, That's... I think that there's a there's a line somewhere between the suspension of disbelief and like what feels like a fourth wall break. Okay, so but like the screen, like the camera itself yes. is meant to be 
the fourth, it's the fourth wall. It's yeah, the fourth wall. So like, if you were just chilling in the wall, um, like, and we're following these people, yeah, that is like we're just chilling. But like, when you when the character is directly talking to the wall, right? A, why? Right. <laughs> Yes, that I mean that's the that's the most severe kind of fourth wall break. Yeah, yeah. But I you there are I think that there are visual fourth wall breaks in visual media that have nothing to do with a character, because they are they're things that you would frame or highlight that is a way to produce dramatic irony for the viewer that in no way makes sense for you to have seen it in any way. But does that other happen... than to communicate to you through the fourth wall? But does that happen in these? What I what I was saying is I don't feel like it's appropriate to break the fourth wall at any point in a fantasy epic because the point of a fantasy epic is like a fantastical fantastical world where like we have no um I mean like we're escaping to. Yeah. So like why would you want to bring the audience, like the real world audience, into that when the whole point is escapism? Uh I mean I would I would argue that in in some ways, depending on how they're like, used, um, it, it can actually be immersive rather than immersion breaking. Because, like in a, um, in something like a, like a crime th- thriller or something, like yeah. when you are, when you're doing something like that, to highlight some some, something that we the audience is aware of, but the main character is not. Right. That heightens the tension. Right. Um, but that's a fourth wall break. Right. But I'm saying, I feel like. That doesn't happen in these. I, I I feel like that's the right call because I actually think there's one later this week. Okay, we'll talk about it then. I guess because there's no reason to do it other than to communicate something to the audience that no character in the scene can see. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, like I'm confused when I when I bring it up later, you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, but it, it's a it's a it's a visual thing that there's no reason to do other than to communicate something to the audience in the absence of a character in the scene. Okay. I don't know. But it is really important. Okay. Like, but like, where do you draw the line between like, this is necessary for telling my story and like, this is an explicit fourth wall break is my point as well. I don't think there has to be a line. I think there should be a line. You're either doing the thing or you're not doing the thing. I think visual media just by virtue of being visual, is full of incidental fourth wall breaks. See, uh, you keep saying that, and I don't, like, I think you're wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm trying to be polite, but I'm like, dude, you're wrong. <laughs> I think you're wrong, and I think, like, it's, you know that part in Princess Bride where it's like, you keep you keep saying that? I, I do don't not... think it means what you think it means? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just don't think it's a bad thing I at just, all. I think I think you're saying a word. I think you've latched onto a phrase and you're still using it to describe something completely different. I mean maybe. That's I've not... I've just always thought of a fourth wall break as like if there's no in narrative reason for it to be shown this way, it's purely for the benefit of the audience and therefore breaks the fourth wall. See no, I, I no, that's not what that is. <laughs> but Anyway, I forgot to mention that, like, this minute ends with the Eye of Sauron, um, and we will see what the Eye of Sauron sees. See, right? Oh. Tomorrow. But in the meantime, we're from the website DuelingGenre.com. You can check us out there. 
Um, if you have not supported our Patreon yet, you can go to duelinggenre.com slash support. Um, we will soon be re-tinkering uh, with our, our Patreon yet again. Um, but I believe, like, as we're... Don't quote me on this. We're still in... We're still figuring it out. Um, as we're ramping down for for Lord of the Rings, um, Norman and I are talking about... Um, doing another project not a movies by minutes project but something um not as time intensive something completely different <laughs> yeah um so if you like us um and if you are interested in supporting our future creative endeavors um divorced from lord of the rings um i mean we're always gonna bring up lord of the rings because i feel like that's just a yeah. thing we have spent the last four years of our life on yes um at minimum not counting all of the podcast of uh, all of the Lord of the Rings okay. stuff, and whatever we move on to, we might eventually circle back to doing something with Lord of the Rings. Right. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, not for a while. Not for a while. But yeah. So if you feel like supporting us as like podcast hosts instead of just like the podcast, um, the Patreon is a good way to do that. Um, I believe we are going to be. We're not going to be doing the Hobbit minute by minute. Um. Still haven't figured out the format for that, but I I believe that's also going to be on the Patreon. So if you're interested in hearing that at a future date, um, that's a good way to do that as well. Yeah. As long as, yeah. So please. Thank you. And thank you for those of you who are supporting us already. Um, and It means a lot. Yeah. And even just, you know, listening, like listening to us talk about <laughs> Just random stuff. 211 minutes of a single movie. Yep. We what? are almost uh, We're almost to the minute count at which Two Towers ended. Yeah. And just a couple weeks away. No. We yeah, we stopped two... at 225. I thought we stopped at 215. Was it 215? I thought it was 225. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was 215. Maybe I'm confused. <laughs> I think you're... Fellowship was 205. I think we are confused about many things, Norman. <laughs> I live my life confused. It's fine. <laughs> I'm aware. I don't know why I do things. <laughs> the struggle. <laughs> yeah. Why are you doing this? I don't I know. I literally don't <laughs> know. I could not begin to explain to you the web of the web of my life that led to this decision. <laughs> what a tangled web of confusion I weaved. <laughs> I'm not a clever man. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back tomorrow to talk more about this moment in Mount Doom. Uh, I hope everyone has a good Monday. Bye. Bye.